uh, disciple your leaders as you supervise them. See, it's not just, remember I mentioned yesterday, it's not enough just to get the job done. Effective church management not only puts the right people into the right jobs, but they have a core value that says, if you serve in this position, you will grow as a Christian. I am committed to your spiritual development. Because in my understanding of church management from a Christian perspective, that people must grow personally and they must get the job done and make a valuable contribution. And that God is interested in both dimensions. He is interested in the development of our character first and foremost. In developing our intimate relationship with with Jesus as was spoken about in the devotional this morning. But Jesus is also very concerned about the building of his church and the making of disciples and the reaching of the lost world. That is the being and the doing. Now, I talked to you yesterday about about, uh, how the assumptions I have about how people learn best. Remember, they learn best when they see an effective model. They learn best through personal involvement. And they learn best when they sense a need. Now, let me elaborate on that a bit more. Most of the time, we think about training or discipling as a linear process. In, in our academic training in the, in the Western world, we have a curriculum that says you take course one, then you take course two, three, four, five, six, seven, etc. And what determines the training sequence? Und, uh, was? The curriculum. And so, generally speaking, chapter six comes be- before chapter seven. Now, the, the problem with this type of model is that it often will educate people beyond their obedience. That's an interesting thought, to realize that we might actually, by giving people more and more knowledge than they're able to apply, actually be teaching them to be disobedient. Jesus said, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Now, if you think about how does God disciple us, does he disciple us through a curriculum that is linear in process? No, he really doesn't. God does it more in what we call a mosaic pattern. Let's draw it this way. If in this chart... In this box is everything God wants us to be and to know how to do. Isn't this a description of how God disciples you? God points out an area in your life somehow that's a need. And he kind of gets your attention to pay it, to, to look at this. And through scripture, or through another person, or a book, or a resource, somehow that need gets met and it gets filled in. Some facet of your character uh, gets developed or some particular skill is lived out. And then God comes over here and says, hey, there's another need over here. And the Holy Spirit, you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and see that piece of the puzzle get filled in. And then God comes back and fills in another piece over here. And then one there. Until Jesus comes, this is the process of sanctification and growing in grace. Isn't that a more accurate representation of how... God disciples us. Now, if that's true, if that's how God does it, why don't we do it in a way that cooperates more with what God is doing? Now, this got got driven home to me once really strongly. I, I had a new Christian in the early days of our church. Before coming to Christ, this guy was a brawler, you know, a real fighter kind of guy. 
And when he became a Christian, God completely changed him. Oh, he still had lots of rough edges, but he was a different person. And a few months after discipling him, he came up to me and he says, Bob, I've got to sell my boat. I said, okay. He said, okay. He said, Bob, you don't understand. I've got to sell my boat because before I became a Christian, that boat was my God. See, see, this guy pursued God with the same vigor he used to pursue other people, you know. And, and he, says, he says, Bob, I used to live for that boat. And my day off, I'd go on that boat and get drunk and do all sorts of other things. I have got to get rid of that boat. And so I have prayed and asked God if he would sell my boat for me. And I even told God what price I wanted to get. Would you pray with me? And so I prayed a, a polite prayer with him. I prayed a second prayer in my mind as I was praying the right words for him on the outside. I know you've never done anything like that, but I, my problem. And so I, I, I went away saying, oh, Lord, do something that's going to you know, deliver this guy. Because, I mean, it sounded like he wasn't going to do anything. He was just going to ask God to do it, and that was it. Two weeks later, he comes bounding over to me. He says, Bob, God sold my boat. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, I hadn't advertised it or anything. All I'd done is pray. And I was out washing my truck one day. And this guy drives up, rolls down his window, yells out, Hey, do you want to sell your boat? This guy was a salesman. He says, So what do you want to give me for it? The guy named a number. The exact number that he'd been praying about. He says, You got a deal. The guy pulled out the money, signed the boat over to him. The guy hooked it up. And drove it off. I don't know this for sure. But I'm reasonably certain that an angel bought that boat. (laughs) And somewhere out on one of the lakes in California is a water skiing angel... And when angels get too tired and need a rest, God sends them down there to, to go with that boat that he bought. <laughs> now, now the, the, this point of the story is not that God answers prayer, which is which is rather remarkable answer to prayer. You know, I mean that that's exciting, but that was not the, that's not the most important thing about this story. I reflected on that experience. And I realized that I could have discipled this guy until Jesus comes again. And I would have never addressed the number one sin issue in his life. That I would never have dealt with the key point of lordship and sanctification in his life. Because this guy had lots of areas to work on. But I would have never dealt with the most important one in his growth process. And I realized right then that I cannot play the role of the Holy Spirit in another person's life. That I am not smart enough to know what needs to be addressed when. And so I realized that my role as a pastor, my role as a leader, is not to set the agenda, but to help people learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit so that they can identify what God's agenda is for them. And then I can come alongside of them to help them cooperate with the Holy Spirit 
Gedanken to deal with the particular issue that God wants them to address next. That was a very, very important realization for me. And it profoundly changed the way I think about discipling people. Let's go on, and I'll, I'll keep developing that theme. You understand that uh, you know the character stuff that God wants them to develop and the skill stuff that God wants them to develop. 